0: Hello, my name is Haley, and this is Straight Talk with the Doc, a podcast that takes a real look at addiction, mental health, and treatment. We have our medical director, Dr. Bott, with us today, and our content director, Jeff. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing well, Haley. How are you? How are you, Jeff? I'm doing well, too.
0: Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about eating disorders and the connection between them and addiction. Uh, Recently, I read that eating disorders are one of the most deadly mental illnesses. So I wanted to talk about why that is. But first, Dr. Bott, can you explain what some of the most common eating disorders are?
1: Sure. So, you know, we have this thing in psychiatry, which is, uh, you know, the science of treating mental health and mental health disorders. And, you know, that classifies eating disorders. And historically, there were... um, three very common ones, or more common ones. And we've kind of expanded slightly in the last five, six years, due to some of the symptoms of people who suffer with eating disorders not meeting specific criteria. So I'm going to start a little bit broadly. And that is, you know, one of the more common ones that um, we've heard about or that we've defined is anorexia, anorexia nervosa. And that that one is basically when um, somebody is suffering with a significant dissatisfaction or distorted um, perception of their their body image. They see themselves as often being um, overweight and they have this pursuit to be uh, a lot thinner and um, they often restrict in their food intake. And um, this can cause Pretty catastrophic body um, consequences and health consequences. A next major um, eating disorder that um, we have is bulimia nervosa. And bulimia nervosa, it differs somewhat from anorexia in the fact that uh, with bulimia, people tend to often eat a lot of food and instead of restricting the, tend to eat a lot in a, in a short amount of time. And then they end up often. Having compensatory behaviors, mechanisms that end up um, trying to get rid of that food that they took in, either through um, vomiting um, or excess use of laxative, but some other way to try and get rid of that. And um, we have a new um, diagnostic, um, you know, mental health disorder regarding eating, and that is binge eating disorder, and. This is where, you know, people often will eat excessive amounts of food in a small amount of time. Often, um, this goes along with a lot of uh, anxiety and compulsory eating. And, um, but they don't have that purging um, behavior that that happens afterwards that we often see with bulimia. So those are like the three major ones, anorexia, bulimia and binge eating disorder. And then we have this unspecified or eating disorder, not otherwise specified classification where people suffer from some sort of disordered eating, but don't necessarily fulfill one of these, um, the criteria of meeting one of these other um, disorders.
0: So can somebody um, binge eat? So they can binge eat, but not throw up, right? Like that's just binge eating disorder. But like is someone with bulimia, do they always um, binge eat first?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the, one of the hallmark characteristics of bulimia is that they are going to eat a lot of food in a short amount of time. So that would be considered like a binging type episode. So that is uh, a hallmark characteristic. And again, part of it is with this compensatory mechanism to somehow get rid of the food that they took in. Um, with with binge eating disorder, it's more just the, the, com- the increased amount of eating the binging episode without the attempt to um, purge the food that they took.
0: So are there certain groups of people like certain ages or something that are more likely to suffer from an eating disorder?
1: You know, as the, the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that is um, issued by the American Psychiatric Association, which helps clinicians and practitioners classify, diagnose and treat mental illness, You know, they they changed um, from DSM-4 to DSM-5, a more updated version in uh, 2013. I bring that up is because there are other feeding and eating type of illnesses that occur often at at younger ages, Um, but we're not going to speak about them too much. Like pica, um, where people eat things that are, you know, of non-nutritional value, um, but those things are fall under like these uh, feeding disorders. But as for the eating disorders, they tend to occur more in young adult, and adolescents, teenage years, um, young adulthood. That tends to be the time where we see the onset of these uh, disorders start.
0: Are there like mental health conditions that are you know, also seen in people with an eating disorder like anxiety or depression?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, the, the statistics show that there's a high correlation with co-occurring uh, anxiety disorders, depressive disorders, often trauma, uh, personality disorders, and character pathology that happens. And um, often they, they go hand in hand uh, with part of the, you know, symptoms that and the dynamics that uh, occur when you have um, an eating disorder is that you often feel guilty, you often feel shame, you often feel anxiety, you often feel depressed, either before or after the behaviors that you are uh, acting upon. So um, it it becomes almost like this vicious cycle. So if there is this co-occurring or um, additional mental health issue going on, uh, a primary um, anxiety or depression or bipolar, um, or trauma. Um, it just kind of uh, exacerbates one exacerbates the other. And, um, that's why it's really important to get treatment for, you know, whatever co-occurring issues, um, exist with the eating disorder.
0: I want to talk about like what's going on in the brain of someone with an eating disorder. Do they feel, you know, satisfaction or like accomplishment afterwards?
1: It depends what, you know, what stage, we're talking about or what stage in the behavior we're talking about. You know, eating disorders, they're not understood that well. I think we've made attempts to um, talk about, you know, people who suffer with eating disorders. um, Often they do have this distorted image of themselves. There's this attempt to gain some sort of control. There's this psychological um, aspect of maybe seeking perfectionism. And, um, you know, this is often attempted to be attained through the eating cycle. So yeah, when somebody is maybe try binging or uh, binge eating at that moment, they might feel a significant amount of relief from some anxiety that was built up. And then that eating behavior ends up, you know, making them feel, um, less anxious. So that is that's compensation for that uh, anxiety buildup and uh, Mm -hmm. or often the other, you know, sometimes when you eat too much and they eat in excess and they feel this, you know, excessive fullness, they start to feel embarrassed or guilty or shameful. And then that's the trigger to um, purge, um, you know, to or to use the laxatives um, that end up end up. Trying to undo that excessive eating, so yeah, sometimes it depends on really what stage and what disorder we're talking about. But often there is some psychological uh, pursuit or escape that is occurring uh, to drive the motivation of that behavior.
0: I want to talk about the stages a little bit. Like, when does dieting or restricting food, you know, become a danger, and when is it just, you know, I'm trying to like lose a little bit of weight. You know, where is that line?
1: I think when somebody's underlying health and psychological and physical health is is affected um there is that's where clinical attention needs to be uh sought and you know when when we we talk about for example with anorexia you know it's not just um people trying to restrict their um their food intake to the point where they want to lose a few pounds these people um have a very big you know incongruency between the way that they look at themselves and their uh, the way i think science or medical person would assess them they really think if they fit into a um a a certain criteria of being a proper or ideal body weight they might perceive themselves as being you know overweight or fat so they the, the the extent of restricting themselves often is going from somebody who doesn't Need to restrict calories to someone who is restricting calories, and that c- creates nutritional um, deficiencies. And this type of stuff becomes very dangerous because then we're absent from not only the caloric intake, we can create, you know, electrolyte and mineral deficiencies, which can cause uh, a plethora of different, um, you know, illnesses. I mean, worse outcomes within that. Illness. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of brings me to, you know, the danger of eating disorders, like what is happening to the body? What can happen in somebody who has a very severe eating disorder?
1: It depends on what symptoms we're talking about. Or, but definitely, if we look at anorexia, we're talking about restricting. And We can have restricting and we can have uh, purging and binging. All of this can occur within the scope of uh, many. There is a little bit of overlap. But in general, when if you're restricting, like I said before, you know, you're just, you're depriving your body of the proper nutrients. And this can cause significant issues, you can have problems anywhere from, you know, if you have lack of electrolytes, you can create cardiac arrhythmias, you if you are vomiting on purpose, you can cause uh, erosion in your throat, Uh, it can change the way, uh, you know, your your oral and your uh, your oral cavity in your mouth and your the, the the health of your, your teeth, all the way down to um, significant um, tearing inside your esophagus from you know the, the purging and the straining that occurs with it, to um, you know, having a heart attack and and sudden cardiac death. I mean the the, the breadth of the uh, the symptoms that can occur are are pretty wide, and are pretty uh, you know pretty significant.
0: I, I also want to talk about, you know, the link with addiction. Um, are someone with an eating disorder, are they more likely to suffer from a substance use disorder?
1: Yeah, I, I think the statistics somewhere around um, people who suffer with eating disorders are up to 50% have uh, a substance use disorder. And trying to find the link in the brain is somewhat controversial. You know, there's some ways we can say it's related to addiction. And I I don't want people to uh, misconstrue the fact that there's a higher, you know, prevalence, meaning that they have the same causation. That's not always the case. Um, There are some aspects of it that have similar causation in the brain, but doesn't necessarily mean all of it um, together is is the same. But um, just looking at it from a statistical perspective. Yes, there's a there's a much higher prevalence of substance use disorders. Uh, in those who suffer with eating disorders than in the general population and so uh, you know on the other side on the flip side people who suffer with substance use disorders also have a higher um, proportion of eating disorders within that um, in, in that category than the general population so we see that co-occurring uh, co-occurrence happen more between the two with the two excuse me
0: I would, I would also like to point out that in um, some circumstances, people actively use substances and abuse substances to further um, their eating disorder and gain further control over their weight. Um, drunkorexia, which is the term for when people uh, use alcohol to do that, is quite common. And I know, for example, many people with eating disorders use cocaine because it suppresses appetites. As well.
1: Yeah, definitely. So if you go, if you dig further into the dynamics of it, and then you know, going beyond just saying yes, there, there's more there's a higher occurrence. Yeah, for sure. Um, people who who want to lose weight, can start to abuse uh, substances that help control appetite. Cocaine suppresses appetite, um, nicotine, caffeine, a stimulant. So you'll see people who's who um, are having or suffering with eating disorder, Look for ways to help control their appetite or lose weight quickly. And if there are drugs and illicit substances out there that uh, assist with that, definitely you're going to be more attracted to that. And that can increase your risk of developing addiction. And uh, already when you're dealing with control issues um, in itself, then you you, you see that increase that risk uh, dramatically. And yes, it goes hand in hand
0: yeah i was i was going to ask that actually i'm glad you brought that up jeff about you know certain substances that are more likely to be abused in people with an eating disorder um i guess it kind of depends on the eating disorder and the goals
1: maybe well we we see um substance use disorders tend to be higher in people that have more of the bingeing purging type behaviors that go along um uh, with their eating disorders versus the restricting type so Again, I, I, there's not much to discuss right now in terms of the why, opposed to that it, it, it is there, that um, we do see more um, substance use issues with those who do have those binging and purging behaviors. Um, and again, when we see things, um, people who do have, uh, who've actually had gastric bypass, and who might have suffered with obesity before that to actually lead to the gap, we do see them go to um, maybe if they have unresolved uh, binge eating issues in the in the first place or disordered eating, um, often they, they can't eat that much. They might try to um, re- achieve that reward or satisfaction that they did from food through some other mechanism. And that's often what which might lead to pursuing illicit substances or alcohol, for example, that's a big one that we see with people who often um, have a a gastric bypass and have the propensity for addiction, we do see them abusing alcohol. And, um, you know, and that takes us back to is their relationship between the reward mechanism, you know, because food is something that creates pleasure for us. And, um, you know, we I, 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 I know most of us are not eating just to, you know, stay alive, but also we eat because we like certain foods and we like the way it tastes and we get happy when we eat. And so there's there is some conflict in terms of, um, you know, the deprivation of food, causing someone maybe to pursue uh, or uh, addiction, or is it because there are, you know, because some science, some animal models have shown that when you actually restrict somebody from you know food you know that there is um a, a, an increased pursuit of uh, illicit substances and and and, and it, that kind of doesn't play out though when it comes to human beings where when we see restriction we don't actually see the increase we see the opposite when you binge and purge we see more people um, using substances more so there, there's that little bit of a discrepancy than some of the scientific models that we have, but uh, we, we, at the end of the day, you know, we do often see when somebody's treated for um, substance use issues, the eating disorder that might have been, you know, controlled uh, or not being acted upon, often will start to, um, you know, start up again. Or vice versa when we see the eating disorder um, you know uh, controlled we, we see that uh, the substance use start to act out so when it's co-occurring um, definitely you have to treat both because one often um, when it's con- one can exacerbate the other
0: that's what i wanted to ask as well is that can somebody get treatment Uh, who has an eating disorder and a substance use disorder, can they receive treatment for both of those issues at the same time? Or is one typically more like focused on?
1: With the right provider, with the right treatment centers, with the, you know, that specialize in these things, yeah, you can get treated for both at the same time. Especially where somebody who suffers with eating disorder has become nutritionally compromised and their health is so weak. Obviously, we need to address those things first. So we need to get them, you know, healthy, and we want to make sure any underlying medical illnesses that have occurred as a, as a consequence of their eating disorder is addressed. So that being said, if they are stable and they can get both addressed in a in a, in a in a facility that can, um, you know, treat both sides, yeah, definitely it would be ideal to treat to treat both. But obviously, they have to be stable enough to uh, be able to focus on them
0: and do you mean stable like physically
1: yeah physically stable because again we talked about how eating disorders can really wreck your body so much that um you know we have to ensure that their their body is is not um in a in a life-threatened state so we actually have to make sure that they're stable enough that they can go through alternative type of uh talk therapies so if they if they need you know, um, IV and nutritional, you know, replacement emergently, well, we don't want them going into a group. We want them to make sure that their medical needs are uh, are addressed first. Um, But, you know, ultimately, you know, if if one is not addressed, um, the risk of relapse uh, is very high.
0: And then I also want to look at it in like another angle, kind of hypothetically say, you know, if I had anorexia and I also was an alcoholic, but I wanted to get treatment for anorexia, but I didn't want to stop drinking, could I still do that?
1: I don't know that many places that are just going to say, yes, go ahead and um, continue your disordered or, um, you know, your alcoholic type of drinking. And yes, we're going to go ahead and treat your anorexia because. Uh, unfortunately, because there's so much damage being done with that, um, heavy alcohol use it's it's how are we going to be able to properly treat the, the anorexia. And especially if you're not in the right state of mind psychologically, because alcohol, for example, or whatever drug or substance you're using, um, you, you need to be cognitively in there to be able to, you know, participate in the, in the treatments, um, you know, both physically and uh, and mentally. So, concurrently using a substance um, which renders you incapable of really thinking and behaving and uh, responding uh, adequately uh, probably is not going to go very well. You're not going to have a successful outcome if one continues to you know use while trying to treat an underlying uh, eating disorder.
0: So, can you break down a little bit about the kind of standard treatment? for eating disorders like I I understand a lot of the um treatment practices for someone with a substance use disorder but I actually really don't know like how do you help somebody with an eating disorder
1: with the eating disorders a lot of it has to do with uh a behavioral behavioral training and 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 psychiatric underlying psychiatric uh I'm sorry psychological therapy I mean in the end of the day You know somebody's going to need to um look into themselves as to what's going on and and why they are pursuing or behaving and and treating their body the way that they are and so um number one we would probably have to do a proper nutritional assessment and ensure that they are uh, physically um, stable again you know there's so much damage that's done from disordered eating that we have to ensure that these people are um, are safe. And that could um, entail first getting uh, maybe getting hospitalized, or being in a medical center that can help them get physically back, um, you know, uh, physically back in shape. And, and, and second, obviously, the, the, the cognitive behavioral therapies um, that uh, address the underlying thought processes and cognitions that are, are, are distorted that leads to somebody to eat and behave uh, the way that they do. And so that's, that's a hallmark type of treatment um, that does occur for people with, uh, with eating disorders. And for those co-occurring anxieties and depressions and other psychiatric conditions, we do, we do treat the, um, that through either medications or medications and CBT And um, also DBT is often used, and um, just a various amount of psychotherapies are included um, when we talk about eating uh, eating disorder treatment.
0: And is there like a pretty high success rate um, for somebody that undergoes treatment?
1: We see that as as people get older, there is um, the majority of people do have some uh, majority of people have improvement. Um, there are probably, I would say above 50% of the people you will see them, um, go into remission. And, uh, then there's a quarter to a third of the population that probably, you know, it will go on later into their life. And then there's a smaller percentage that will be chronically ill for, for their, their entire lifespan. And it, you know, it, it, like with any disease, there's a variance in terms of how people respond. But for the most part, with the right intervention um, and the right support, and um, you you can you can live and successfully control this.
0: Okay. So, is there anything else on this topic that you think is important for people to know?
1: The fact that it is so dangerous, you know, I, I think people tend to see, you know eating disorders, and they, 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 I, they think it's just very behaviorally oriented. Um, I think in, in our Western culture, we do have so much uh, that, uh, so much influence on how people um, should look based on what we see in media and uh, on television. And, uh, but the fact is it starts at a, at a time where people are growing and they're growing psychologically and they're growing physically. And it, it's something that needs to be taken very seriously. And so if, you know, the, the right screenings amongst um, the proper individuals um, from our pediatricians to our, our physicians to, um, you know, our own family members recognizing this in, in our children and adolescents um, just to make sure that they can get the proper treatment uh, as early um, as possible. Because, again, as you mentioned at the beginning of this, this, is a, this, this can be deadly. And, um, you know, there is help out there. And there are treatment centers out there that um, can properly address this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, that's why it's so important for someone with one of these disorders to get treatment when needed because it could actually, you know, save their life. Um you can check out a ton of great resources at addictioncenter.com and you can also submit a question to Dr. Bot on our website not only on this topic but on anything you have questions on. Once again it was great talking with you guys and thank you to our listeners for checking out another episode of Straight Talk with the Doc.